Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports by GSMC Podcast Network is your place for all things sports. From NFL to MLB to NBA, we have you covered. We discuss all the top trending sports stories from scores to drafts to news about your favorite athletes. Tune in to hear all of the latest sports news. Whatever sport you're a fan of, if it's trending now, Sports by GSMC Podcast Network has you covered. by GSMC, brought to you by the GSMC Podcast Network. I'm your host of Sports by GSMC, Jake Donnelly, and I am very glad that you are joining me here for this very special episode, just our third episode. But only moments ago, the Golden State Warriors took down the Boston Celtics by a score of 104-94 in Game 5. That, as Mike Breen put it, contractually obligated to call it the pivotal Game 5 between the Warriors and the Celtics. So, we're going to talk a lot about that in this episode, kind of an instant analysis podcast for all of you that are listening to this. And we will, of course, talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup Finals, give you a quick little preview for that. Game one will be Wednesday night, and I've been pushing the Colorado Avalanche all season long, so I'll explain to everybody just exactly why I've been doing that, and we will Uh, discuss a little bit about what's going on on the diamond right now. The Boston Red Sox, they've had a resurgence, but of course, it is still all New York everywhere you look in Major League Baseball right now. But before we can talk about hockey, before we can talk about baseball, we must talk about what just went on between the Warriors and the Celtics. So it was a 104-94 score, but the game was somehow both... Not that close as well as even closer than that score would have you to believe. The story about this game, and I can't remember how many times I can say this, but this game swung on the final shot of the third quarter. Not the final shot of the fourth quarter, but the final shot of the third quarter when the Celtics, with about six-second differential between the game clock and the shot clock, Jason Tatum took a screen, but the Warriors blitzed Tatum. He then was forced to get rid of the ball at the top of the key to Jalen Brown. And with the game that Jalen Brown was having, that was exactly the person that you wanted to simply touch the ball. Not even shoot the ball if you're Golden State, but to simply touch the ball. With the way that Jalen Brown was playing tonight, that was a great 
great decision, great job of coaching by Steve Kerr, getting what was honestly the Celtics' worst player of the night into the action to end the third quarter, and the only thing that Jalen Brown was able to get off was a very contested deep three, took it about five, six feet behind the three-point line right at the top of the key. It was such a brick that the rebound came out beyond the free throw line. Another rebound for Andrew Wiggins, and oh my goodness, well, we have to talk about the game that Andrew Wiggins had tonight, but the rebound came out to Wiggins. He had a nifty, I believe, behind the back dribble to himself and then found Jordan Poole, who banked in the three-pointer, uh, the three-pointer sending both of the teams to their benches with a 75-74 lead for the Golden State Warriors. And that might not sound like much, but at halftime, the Boston Celtics were down by 12. And this was the inverse of almost every other game that we saw so far in this series. Because if you remember back all the way to Game 1, in Game 1, it was the Celtics using the fourth quarter to absolutely dismantle the Golden State Warriors and take that one to nothing lead. But what ended up happening here was a reversal of that. In the fourth quarter, it was all, and I mean all Golden State Warriors, but the third quarter, well, the third the third quarter, that belonged to the Boston Celtics. The halftime started with the Celtics down 52-40, and then we just got an absolute bulldozer of a quarter by the Celtics. They turned up the defensive intensity and yes, of course, it did help that they hit their first eight threes of the quarter, but they were also getting the job done inside. And if you're a Celtics fan and you're watching them knock down all of these threes, you're thinking to yourself, ooh, this might be a poison pill. They might fall in love with the three-pointer. And that is exactly what happened. And what really happened is that the wind in the sails of the Boston Celtics, Jordan Poole just took all of the wind and he cut it straight up, put as many holes in those sails as possible for the Boston Celtics and made it almost an impossible task for the Celtics to overcome in the fourth quarter, especially if they reacted in the way they did and allowed the officiating to get under their skin, which is absolutely what happened in this one, but that three-pointer by Jordan Poole, it kind of, it's almost like it calmed down the fans who were eerily quiet, and ABC did a good job of showing all of the fans arriving late to their seats to begin the second half, to begin the third quarter, so it was almost like at the end of the third quarter, when everything was going poorly for Golden State, that three-pointer, a banked-in three-pointer that only beat the clock by a tenth of a second. It was like that three-pointer told the Golden State Warriors that, okay, everything is going to be okay. As bad as things were in this third quarter, as much as we, the Golden State Warriors, are the third quarter team, and that it is the Golden State Warriors who throttle and step on the throats of the opposing teams in the third quarter. And while that just happened to us, other teams don't come back. 
and hit banked three-pointers to take all the momentum away. And this is a discussion that everybody likes to have when it comes to sports of all kind, professional, amateur, it doesn't matter. Is momentum a thing? The analytics people will tell you that it's not. Baseball has even gotten it to the point where they can track clutchness and they can try to almost track momentum in games. But when it comes to the NBA, when it comes to momentum and for a team like Golden State, if you want to argue that there's no such thing as momentum, you're going to have to explain this game. A game where everything was going wrong for the Warriors, where Steph Curry couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, and yet that three-pointer by Jordan Poole calmed everybody down on the Golden State Warriors. It was like that little pat on the head that you used to get from your mom or dad when things weren't going well, but that little reassurance that you know what? As bad as things feel right now, as bad as it may look, with the Celtics having just pulled a Warriors against us, with the Celtics having pulled a Warriors against the Warriors, well, that three-pointer by Jordan Poole was the, hey, don't worry about it. Everything is going to be just fine. And that's exactly what we got from Jordan Poole, but... We can't talk or we can't go this long talking about Jordan Poole and his three-pointer. What we need to do right now before anything else is talk about the amazing play of Andrew Wiggins. Now, before the game, I tweeted out my random predictions from the GS uh, by the I should say, from the GSMC, Sports by GSMC Twitter handle. We'll try that a third time. That's Sports by GSMC Twitter handle. And of course, you can check before every single one of these finals games if you want to see some random predictions. But my random predictions for tonight is Draymond doesn't play 25 minutes. He ended up almost playing 35. Uh, Clay Thompson will collect a block. Uh, Clay Thompson did have a block. I'm not sure if that's going to be uh, switched back, but Thompson was pretty solid. Kaminga will make a significant appearance. No. Tatum will put up a 30-point double-double. No. Marcus Smart will collect a block. Yes. The winner will win by 10-plus. Yes. So, I made those predictions thinking that the Boston Celtics were going to try to do everything in their power to dominate in the paint. And while the Celtics were kind of forced into that situation in this one tonight. The most dominant force on the court was not Jason Tatum. It was not Steph Curry. It wasn't even Jordan Poole that I spent the first almost 10 minutes of this podcast talking about. No, the most dominant force on the court in Game 5, in the, as Mike Breen said, pivotal Game 5, the most dominant force tonight, that, was Andrew Wiggins, the youngster from Toronto. And no, it's not Toronto. If you want to be a play-by-play broadcaster and talk about hockey, it's in fact Toronto, Ontario. So the youngster from Toronto played 42 minutes and 32 seconds. That outpaced everybody, everybody 
on the Golden State Warriors. And it's a beautiful indication of just how good he was that Steve Kerr recognized who his hot hand was tonight. He recognized who his best player was tonight. That was Andrew Wiggins. And in the most important game of the series thus far, in the game five at the Chase Center, I keep wanting to say Oracle, but no, 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 no. But game five, home for Golden State, the most important player in the game was Andrew Wiggins. 42 minutes, 32 seconds in this game. The only players that played more time than Andrew Wiggins, Jason Tatum with 44-25, and Jalen Brown with 44-03. We'll talk about Jalen Brown in the second quarter of our podcast, of our four-quarter podcast here tonight. But Andrew Wiggins, 42 and a half minutes, 12 for 23, ended up with 26 points, a plus-minus of 12. He collected 13 rebounds, 12 of those, on the defensive end. And that's actually extremely important because the Celtics were trying to go big for most of this game. But the Celtics, they finished with a total of 60 rebounds in this one, 17 more rebounds than the Golden State Warriors. But the Golden State Warriors did a good job on the defensive glass. Whereas the Celtics only had eight offensive rebounds, there were only 35 defensive rebounds for the Golden State Warriors. So 35-8, Golden State collected 35 of the 43 available rebounds on their own defensive glass. That is a fantastic job. 35 for 43. So 35 for 43, trying to figure out the quick math. It's about like 81% or so. So they grabbed about 81% of the available rebounds. Andrew Wiggins ended up with 12. Wiggins ended up with 12 of the 35. He ended up corralling more than a third of the defensive rebounds in this game for Golden State. So he wasn't just doing it with getting the buckets, which he was. And he had kind of disappeared in the third quarter, but it was the fourth quarter, and give credit to Jeff Van Gundy. Van Gundy was on his game all night long, although there was one weird portion where he was glad that the referees called a technical foul on Marcus Smart using the inverse rationale that he had used to not have a technical called against Draymond Green in game two, but that's neither here nor there. Van Gundy was terrific tonight, and right as he was saying that we need to see more from Andrew Wiggins and that Wiggins needs to be more forceful, more assertive on the court. What did he do? Right hand take. And it didn't matter which way Wiggins was going tonight. It didn't really matter who was guarding Wiggins. He was doing whatever he wanted. If it meant going to his left, he was going to his left and getting to his mid, uh, mid-range mid game. It didn't matter if he was going all the way to the bucket, as we saw in that thunderous dunk where he just blew by Derek White. It didn't matter what the Celtics were really doing to Andrew Wiggins, except leaving him by himself out for three, as despite how good Andrew Wiggins was tonight, he was 0 for 6 from three. So that With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 12 of 23. Figure that out. He was actually 12 for 17. 12 for 17, which is 71%. He was 12 of 17 from inside the arc tonight. 0 for 6. In fact, as a team... The Golden State Warriors shot under 25%, 22 and 9 for 40 from three-point land, and they beat the Celtics by 10. They beat the Celtics by 10 in a game that Steph Curry went 0 for 9 in. 7 for 22 from the floor, 0 for 9 from downtown, but because Andrew Wiggins poured in 26, because he collected 13 rebounds, 12 of those on the defensive glass, he also contributed two steals, two um, assists, and a block. Man, and he only picked up two fouls. Guarding the ball, it seemed like, the entire night. That was the difference in this game, and we'll talk about the other difference in this game for the Golden State Warriors, a guy that did something that we haven't seen since 2000, but how it didn't matter at all. That means, yes, we're going to talk about the resurgent Draymond Green in Game 5. When we come back here on Sports by GSMC with me, Jake Donnelly, in quarter number two, we'll see you then, horn blowing on quarter number one for now. Are you looking for help for your fantasy football team? Check out the GSMC Fantasy Football Podcast. Get today's best advice on who to start, who to sit, even who you should draft. From sleeper picks to red-hot lineups, they got it all covered for you. That's gsmcpodcast.com backslash fantasy-football-podcast. We'll cover traditional leagues, dynasty, PPR, even IDP leagues. When you need fantasy help, there's just one show to hit up. Don't forget to like them on Facebook and Follow them on Twitter. Visit gsmcpodcast.com for more info. Just like I said, we'd be back here on Sports by GSMC with me, your host, Jake Donnelly. It's quarter number two now as we just wrapped up our very first segment, what I like to call quarters here on this podcast, brought to you by the GSMC Podcast Network. And it is just a little bit past midnight, so it's technically Tuesday now, June 14th. 
couple of uh, minutes after the game just ended, Game 5, between the Golden State Warriors as well as the Boston Celtics. And while I ended up talking about Andrew Wiggins to finish up quarter number one, quarter number two, we need to talk about the guy that brought his energy all night long, I thought, with the game with the finals going back to Golden State that maybe Draymond Green was going to get a little bit too amped up and we'd see some technicals early on and he would take himself out of the game, which is why I predicted on our Twitter handle, Sports by GSMC, exactly how it's spelled if you want to go and follow that. But it's why I thought that Draymond Green would show up too much tonight. It wasn't that he wasn't going to show up. I thought he was going to overdo it, but he found that happy medium. He saw the line, and as opposed to games really one, two, three, and four, this time around, he towed the line, and he towed the line perfectly. The Box score, a very pedestrian, but also a very Draymond Green-looking box score. A box score that we haven't seen from him so far this series, where we've been seeing two points and a couple assists and maybe three rebounds. Here tonight, Draymond Green, just a second shy of 35 minutes, 3 for 6 from the floor, 0 for 2 from deep, but he made both of his free throws. He grabbed... Seven, and remember, we talked about how there were only 35 defensive rebounds for the Golden State Warriors. Seven of his eight rebounds of the defensive variety. Seven assists. The steal did not, was not credited with a block, although he probably should have had one even in that coach's challenge, the one where he ended up fouling out. It was the first time since Dale Davis fouled out for the Indiana Pacers, but... He ended up fouling out of this game, but this was a great game by Draymond Green. He affected it the way that he only knows how to affect games. Only eight points, only, quote-unquote, eight rebounds, seven assists, and a plus-minus of plus 11 for Draymond Green. He got into it a couple of times. He had that very first possession where, I think it was actually the second possession, where he went diving into the stance, and you just knew. You knew from that point on that Draymond Green was going to have a good game, that we were not going to see this hesitant, unconfident, wilting point forward for the Golden State Warriors. We knew from that moment on where that blonde-haired lady was laughing that she just got tackled by Draymond Green, we knew from that moment on we were going to see the good Draymond Green tonight. There was no, there was, I mean, I am a betting man, but even I didn't think that we were going to see it tonight. It just seemed like he was a little bit too slow. It seemed like Jalen Brown was doing everything he wanted against Draymond Green. But tonight, no, that, that that's not at all how this game went. In fact, it was Draymond Green much like Game 2, getting under the skins of the Boston Celtics players and taking them off their game. As much as the Jordan Poole three-pointer was kind of that pat on the head, pat on the back from that person you trust saying, it's okay, it's okay, everything is going to turn out 
all right. Even though that three-pointer from Jordan Poole, that was that pat on the head. For Draymond Green, playing the way he did and getting under everybody's skin, he was the one saying, I'll show you how and why everything is going to be okay. If you follow me, if you follow the energy that I play with tonight, it's all going to be okay. And that is exactly what we got from Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors. Even Curry. Curry was working. Curry only had 16 points, but he had 8 assists. He was playing good defense. He, yeah, was taken to the rack a bunch of times by guys like Marcus Smart, but hey, he forced some misses against Smart. He forced some misses, I think, even against Tatum. Tatum, while he had a good game, he was still struggling a bit in this one, and you could tell just the confidence wasn't there for the Celtics in the same way that it was there for the Golden State Warriors, and this is the intangible. That was the experience that everybody was talking about before the start of this series. How would the Boston Celtics' lack of experience in the NBA Finals manifest itself? Well, we saw it in Game 2 when the Celtics stopped playing basketball and started playing towards the refs. And it was almost like it was a poison pill for the Celtics in that They got all of those calls in the third quarter because then they were hunting out contact as opposed to hunting out baskets. And that was really how they started to climb back into this game. They did take it into the paint. I mean, heck, they were down at one point 32-26. They had missed 12 straight three-point shots. And it's the first time that was the longest streak to open up a game in the finals, I think, ever is what ABC was saying and ESPN stat and information, but it was 32-26. to The Celtics hadn't hit a three-pointer in the game, but they were still there. They were still within striking distance, and you knew coming out of halftime that the team whose three-pointers started to fall, that was the team that was going to win this, but... While the Celtics three-pointers started to fall in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, that's all the Celtics started to do is that they were really just taking a bunch of three-pointers. I'm looking at the shot chart right now, and the Celtics, first off, they went four for 15. Four for 15 in the fourth quarter of a, not must-have, because we saw them against the Milwaukee Bucks, By the way, the Celtics losing for the first time after losing the previous game. They had been 7-0 after losing the prior game. But obviously tonight, that streak is now over. But I'm looking at the shot chart right now. The Celtics only put up, by the way, 15 shots in the fourth quarter. They went 4-for-15. And it looks like they went 2-for-1, 2-3... Four, five, six. So they won two for eight. They were four for 15 from the floor, two for eight from downtown in the fourth quarter. The Celtics, man, they had this game, but they just gave it away. Second chance points. And it looked like the Celtics won second chance points. Remember, I had pointed out in the last podcast, in our second episode, that Second chance points, fast break points, points in the paint. 
the Celtics had to dominate points in the paint in order to win this series. Well, look at this. The Golden State Warriors totally and utterly unafraid. Now, it helps that nobody was hitting shots. So both of the teams had to bring the ball into the paint. But points in the paint, when the Celtics took a 2-1 series lead, they did so by doubling up the Golden State Warriors on points in the paint 52 to 26. Here in game four, points in the paint, Golden State 50, Boston 36. So Golden State had a 14 point advantage in the paint in this game. Golden State only had seven second chance points, the Celtics had 16. Not a lot of fast break points in this game. And it seemed like both sides were really just trying to keep the other one in this. But Celtics win the rebounding battle by 17. They only, here's a big stat for the Celtics, 18 assists for the Celtics on, let's see, how many field goals made for the Celtics in this one? 31. 18 assists on 31. The Celtics like to be about at... I believe it's 22 is their magic mark. But again, looking at the box score, what was the big thing? Everybody talked about that number 16 for turnovers for the Boston Celtics. And the Boston Celtics ended up committing 18 turnovers in this game. This really isn't a complicated series. Who can take care of the ball? And that's about it. Who takes care of the ball right now? It's the Golden State Warriors taking care of the ball. Some of it, yes, is defense. And it's wonderful to watch how once the defense intensity gets ramped up by either of these teams, that it becomes almost impossible to score. But the Celtics only had one bucket for the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter. And if you remember back to the first quarter, the first quarter was ugly, 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 ugly. In the first quarter, the Celtics were 8 of 23. So the Celtics bookended this game going 12 for 38. 12 for 38 in the first and fourth quarters. That's not going to get it done. 12 for 38 is a 31.6% shooting percentage. So that's the difference. In the first quarter, the Celtics shoot 35% from the floor, 8 of 23 including missing all five, make that four, of their three-pointers, whereas the Golden State Warriors go 11 for 21 in the first quarter. In the fourth quarter, the Celtics go four for 15, and the Golden State Warriors, it was 12 for 24, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So the Boston Celtics, two for eight from downtown in the fourth quarter, 4 for 15 from the floor, Golden State Warriors, 12 for 24 from the floor, and 2 of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 2 for 10. 2 for 10 and 2 for 8. This was a game that the Golden State Warriors were trying with all of their might to give to the Boston Celtics, but the Boston Celtics wouldn't take it because they let the refs get inside of their head, one, And they just couldn't seem to respond in the fourth quarter where they just started going after the calls instead of trying to get buckets. And they got bucket after bucket after bucket in the third quarter. In the third quarter, they were 11 for 18. 
including one, two, three, four, five, six. Right, they went six for nine from downtown. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the second quarter, 11 of 19 overall. Golden State, 9 of 21. And Golden State was taking deep, 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 deep threes, including, of course, the Jordan Poole, uh, Poole three. But, man, this was a game the Golden State Warriors clearly did not play well. If you're the Boston Celtics, if you're a fan like I am of the Boston Celtics, you have to be quaking in your boots, thinking that there is no way, no chance whatsoever that the Celtics can come back after losing the paint battle, 50-36 to 36 in Game 5, after watching the greatest shooter of all time, Steph Curry, go 0-for-9 from downtown and only 7-of-22 from the floor. If you're a Boston Celtics fan, what's your solution in Game 6? How are you going to force this series back to the west coast and oh my god adam silver i know you've got covid so everybody should be nice to you but starting nba finals games at 9 p.m is absolutely ludicrous the fact that it is only 45 minutes after the game right now but it is also somehow 12 17 a.m that is not something that we at all should be doing with the NBA Finals. That that makes no sense. And again, I hearken back to Clay Thomas and Draymond Green complaining about the F chance coming down from the TD Garden crowd. Yeah, okay, if your kid is watching this, you're an awesome parent for letting them stay up to watch the NBA Finals. But also, it's midnight, So, yeah, this is not a kid-friendly NBA Finals, and if you are in any way, shape, or form the type of person that can actually read lips, you would know that this is not in any way, shape, or form an NBA Finals. But this was a game that the Golden State Warriors were trying to give to the Celtics, but the Celtics' ability to toss it right back, incomparable, incomparable tonight, because you had guys like Derek White, just not show up. Jeff Van Gundy was talking about how well Derek White was playing in Game 3 and how well he has played for the most part in this series. Well, his minutes to begin the fourth quarter, doomed. Doomed. The Boston Celtics. Derek White played 21 and a half minutes. He was 0 for 4 from the floor. He was 0 for 3 from 3. 1 for 2 from the line. 1 rebound. Three assists, 
Thankfully, he didn't turn the ball over, whereas Marcus Smart was a negative nine, and he turned the ball over four times. But the Celtics, as much as the Warriors wanted to give this game away, the Celtics more so. Jalen Brown, five turnovers. Marcus Smart, your point guard, four turnovers. Jason Tatum, four turnovers. Even Al Horford had a couple. Grant Williams had a couple. Peyton Pritchard, the worst four minutes and 41 seconds I've seen anybody play these finals. And that's saying something considering the absolute no-shows we have seen. But if Peyton Pritchard can't hit a three-pointer, Peyton Pritchard can't play. But that was what the Boston Celtics were trying to do. On the other end, the Golden State Warriors, Otto Porter Jr., 1 for 3. Steph Curry, 7 for 22. Klay Thompson, 7 for 14 and 5 and 11 from 3. Klay Thompson, with the loudest 13 points, I would make that, excuse me, 21 points I've seen in quite some time. Klay Thompson was very good, almost played 40 minutes in this one. Gary Payton Jr., 6 for 8 from the floor. Like, that's where it was. It was Jordan Poole, 50% from the floor, 4 for 8. It was Gary Payton, 6 of 8 from the floor. It was Andrew Wiggins, 12 of 23. It was the role players tonight, along with Klay Thompson, bailing out Steph Curry, who might finally be showing signs of fatigue. For now, though, we're going to have to blow the horn on quarter number two and quarter number three. We'll talk a little bit more about this game before talking about a little bit of baseball and then finishing things off with a quick little preview for the Stanley Cup Finals. So, a little bit more basketball, baseball, and hockey when we come back here on Sports by GSMC with me, Jake Donnelly. Tired of searching the vast jungle of podcasts? Now listen close and hear this out. There's a podcast network that covers just about everything that you've been searching. The Golden State Media Concepts Podcast Network is here. Nothing less than a podcast bliss with endless hours of podcast coverage. From news, sports, music, fashion, cooking, entertainment, fantasy, football, and so much more. So stop lurking around and go straight out to the Golden State Media Concepts Podcast Network. Guaranteed to fill that podcast itch. Whatever it may be, visit us at www.gsmcpodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and download us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. by GSMC with me, your host, Jake Donnelly. Sports by GSMC is brought to you by the GSMC Podcast Network. We are into quarter number three of our four-quarter affair, and it is now a 3-2 series lead for the Golden State Warriors over the Boston Celtics after their 104-94 victory just about at this point now, 50 minutes ago. And there was one thing that I wanted to discuss before I get into baseball, but It is how the antics from everybody, and let's begin with the officiating. The officiating, just terrible. Just for both sides, terrible. Tonight, it started with the Gary Payton Jr. drive 
where they called a foul on Grant Williams, and it was literally Gary Payton tripping himself up. And then you had stuff like the long pass out to Jalen Brown, where it was clearly off of Jalen Brown, but they said it was off of Clay Thompson. Then you had the points there at the end of the quarter where Robert Williams got called for a foul on Andrew Wiggins, even though it was clearly off of Steph Curry. And so the Golden State Warriors should never have been inbounding that ball because the ball didn't belong to them. But I think if there's one thing that everybody that watches NBA basketball can agree upon, it's the fact that NBA officiating is absolute hot, fetid garbage. It is one of the most painful things to watch because as we discussed in the very first episode of Sports by GSMC, it's subjective. It is not in any way objective. And in fact, the NBA has come out and said it's differential officiating. And so we know what this is. And everybody likes to say how if both sides are upset with you, if both sides are mad with you, then you're doing your job that no, no, that is not the case at all. When it comes to NBA officiating, everybody is mad at you NBA officials because you guys are terrible at your jobs. Now, nobody is saying it is easy, but there has to be a middle ground between NBA officials clearly just not making calls because of the people that are involved in the play, or they are making calls because of who is involved in the play, and then watching replays, we're like, okay, that was clearly off of the other guy. There has to be a middle ground between that and the one challenge in your done system, because if we want a product that's good, shouldn't we have a game that's being officiated well? Shouldn't, like, it's a tough one to really get into because I don't know if there are other equivalencies in sports where it's just so obvious that that's not the right call. When you can in a challenge system, see the replays that we're getting from Secaucus. And they always like to say, for some reason, that's from Secaucus. But when we get this replays and we can see, I'm a Celtics fan, there was not enough. That that should have been a successful coach's challenge. Were they saying that Draymond Green got Marcus Smart with the body? Was that it? And then why was that play a foul, whereas so many other plays like that weren't fouls earlier in the game? And it was those kind of plays that I think the Celtics were complaining about, and then they kind of get bailed out when Draymond Green gets that foul called against him because I didn't think it was a foul. I don't think Marcus Smart did enough to draw that foul, but instead we're left with a situation where we have to see via replay over and over again that NBA officials just simply aren't doing their jobs. Okay, so that's problem one. Problem one is watching NBA basketball is painful enough because of the officials, because we can see over and over again that these guys just aren't doing their jobs well. Yes, these are alien-like players who are all like 7'9", moving faster than you can possibly imagine, but you can see the arms. You can see forearms getting held. You can see heads getting hit, and then no calls. I'd rather get calls than to see the constant griping 
And that's what we're getting right now. Marcus Smart, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, uh, Gary Payton Jr., everybody tonight. It just seemed like over Grant Williams. Over and over and over again, everybody is complaining. And the reason they're complaining, it's because the referees are missing the calls. They just are. Now, I know the argument is going to be from a couple of people, well, do you just want them to call every foul? Kinda, at this point. So I don't have to watch everybody complain after every single play. Yeah, I, I would actually really enjoy you calling the fouls because those are fouls. And we can all see that they're fouls. So we know why the players are complaining. The players are complaining because they're getting fouled and the fouls aren't getting called. But with all of that being said, we need more challenges because we want the calls to be correct. If the whole point about a challenge is so, is so that we get the calls correct, then we need more challenges. And if the NBA doesn't want these stoppages, then get better officials. That's the solution. Get better people so that they are either constantly blowing the whistle when they're clear fouls, or they aren't. This in-between stuff is very difficult to figure out, and I think that's what you're getting a lot from Celtics players, is that within games, games are being called differently, but it's the NBA Finals. If that is enough to throw you off of your game and to allow players like Draymond Green to get under your skin, then you're not championship material. And I think that's what we're seeing right now is the lack of championship medal from the Celtics more times than not in these NBA Finals. And the reason I say that is because the Celtics are down 3-2 in a series where I don't even think we've seen the best yet out of the Golden State Warriors. They have not put together a full game. The same way we haven't seen the Boston Celtics put together a full game, but I think the reason that we haven't seen the Boston Celtics put together a full game is because the Warriors are stopping them either from their defensive play or because they're just not afraid of the moment. The Warriors are not afraid of bringing it in the finals, whereas the Boston Celtics tonight, it looked like they were shook from the way they acted in the fourth quarter, trying to get every call as opposed to just putting the biscuit in the basket, right? Just getting to the hoop like they were in the third and forcing the issue. In the fourth, they kind of weren't forcing the issue with the way they were taking the ball to the hoop. And instead of really concentrating on finishing, they were concentrating on getting bailed out. And so what we're seeing is that slight difference between the Warriors and the Celtics is making all the difference in this series. The Warriors are bringing it every chance they can. Even when guys are not showing up like Draymond Green, they're bringing the effort. They are. Whereas the Celtics... It seemed like the only person unafraid of the moment tonight was Marcus Smart. Now, Smart had a very Smart-like game where it was up and down, but he clawed, willed the Celtics back into this one, along with Jalen Brown, who his final line, atrocious, and I read it for you in um, earlier in this show, but for Jalen Brown, it was those five turnovers. That 
was the worst part about his game. And yet, at the beginning, he came out of the locker rooms. He began the third quarter with an absolute... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fire under his body. He got to the rim immediately. Boom. Then he gets the steal, uh, the steal on the pass to Clay Thompson. Gets fouled. So 27 seconds with 11.33 Left on the third quarter clock, Jalen Brown already, already shot his third and fourth free throws. But if you look at what happened the rest of the way for Jalen Brown, well, not so good. Because what did Jalen Brown do from the free throw line? Eight for ten, and he only had a couple of more free throws after that. He had four more the rest of the way. So he came out played well on a night where he wasn't shooting and then proceeded to turn the ball over to everybody and their brother and essentially doom along with Marcus Smart. And that was the big irony of this game, along with guys like Marcus Smart, who once they started to unravel, the rest of the Celtics unraveled. The best game in this entire series for the Celtics was game three. What they did in game three was simple. They did not at any point respond to Draymond Green, and they did not at any point, I think I remembered one instance from Grant Williams, and that was it, but beyond that, they didn't react to anything that was getting called. They just took it as is, and even if they disagreed, it didn't, or I should say it the other way, even though they disagreed, because they didn't concentrate on it, because they did not harp on it, it didn't take them out of their game, whereas tonight, entirely different story and that's the difference there's that key championship medal m-e-t-t-l-e from the golden state warriors that no matter what was going on tonight the warriors were confident enough that they could respond and eventually pull out the victory so when the celtics scored the first 10 points of the third quarter not a problem when the Celtics had a 74-72 lead and the ball with a six-second difference between shot clock and game clock. Not a problem. What ends up happening? They blitz Jason Tatum. They force Jalen Brown to take a woeful shot. And then Jordan Poole hits the miraculous banked in three. But that's the way this game went. It didn't matter what was going to happen. It just seemed like the Golden State Warriors had that confidence that they knew what to do, and when to do it. So kudos to the Golden State Warriors, but this one obviously is not over yet. Game six, a chance to close out for the Golden State Warriors. That on Thursday in Boston. Again, though, a 9 p.m. start. Like, oh my gosh. Why are we listening and why are we watching games that start at 9 p.m. Eastern? Yes, I get it. The Golden State Warriors are on the West Coast. But also, the games are getting over at 11.30. It is so, so, so late. And maybe the NBA can say stuff like, oh, well, 
maybe we wanted to make sure that all of the extra F-bombs and everything, that kids wouldn't be there. But it is just so late right now, and it is very difficult to keep going uh, with these 9 p.m. starts. And I hope that's something that they change up uh, in the years to come, because this is not fun whatsoever. On the other hand, though, I'll tell you what is fun, what's going on right now in Major League Baseball as, yes, first off, most importantly, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, they are no longer, as I mentioned the last one, losers of 14 straight, so we've got that under our belts, and Mike Trout's back, and this is something I wanted to talk about. On Sunday Night Baseball, the... ESPN crew had Mike Trout mic'd up for an entire hour. And everything I've seen from Mike Trout, when they make him do these commercials, that personality doesn't shine through. And what I always thought was that as simple as, well, maybe he just doesn't have that much of a personality. But here's the thing. If you listened to, especially the second part, when the Angels were at the dish, so in the bottom half, I think it was the third inning, may have been the fourth, but Mike Trout was funny. He was really, really good talking to everybody about how his son Beckham, his initials are B-A-T, so he goes, well, of course, my son Beckham, I've got the initials bat, and I'm gonna love that, and that was pretty solid. The hairdo was okay, and the biggest, weirdest story maybe so far in Major League Baseball this year has been the whole fantasy football league where apparently Mike Trout is the commissioner and Carl Ravitch was the guy who was on the play-by-play on Sunday night, as he has been. And so you could kind of hear it in his voice that he was thinking, oh man, I've got Mike Trout in front of me. I probably can't say anything, but then Trout, ended up being the one to bring up the fact that there was, uh, maybe I might not be the commissioner of a certain fantasy football league. Excuse me. And so Ravage said, ooh, there's my opening. And what ensued was some funny, funny television where Trout was making fun of other guys, making fun of himself, showing a little bit of confidence and ego, relating a story about how when he was in high school, he ended up winning a home run derby while batting lefty against his buddy. And his buddy was probably watching the game, so he's needling his buddy. And that is what baseball needs in general, but specifically from Mike Trout. Baseball needs somebody that they can relate to. They need that face. And while Shohei Otani is everything and then someone it comes to baseball player, Mike Trout is like an improved version of Willie Mays, you still need that star power in baseball. And right now, if you don't have stars in New York, you're in trouble. But that's the key. There are stars in New York. Aaron Judge, Pete Alonzo. And there are stars everywhere else. I mentioned Julio Rodriguez last time out, the outfielder for the Mariners, Jazz Chisholm. Yes, Shohei Otani, but more than anybody else, more than your Mookie Betts, more than your aging guys like Albert Pujols, you need the best player of all time, that is Mike Trout, to 
show off his personality. And Major League Baseball has not done a good job of showing off their product, both on the field and off the field. And what we got on Sunday night was one of the best examples that you could see and hear about why it's so much fun to play baseball and why it's so much fun to watch baseball and to listen to baseball players because they really, more than any other professional athlete, they're just children. They're just children. And Noah Syndergaard came on. He like he was staring purposely at Trout, looking like an idiot at one point, just because why else wouldn't you? Whereas all these other ones, there's a bunch of guys that are being serious. Baseball's not a serious sport, so you can't be serious. So one, you got to watch Mike Trout in his element, and he was about as natural as I've seen him on air. That was one. Two, it was so much fun to have Mike Trout because he was reacting faster than anybody else in the stadium. So home run ends up um, getting jacked by the Mets, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I feel like that was pretty good. But the first person to react on air, Mike Trout. And that's the thing. We want to see and we want to hear and we want to experience the personality of these baseball players. So kudos to Major League Baseball, to ESPN, and Sunday Night Baseball for giving us that glimpse into Mike Trout, into his personality, and what we can possibly see and what we might be able to get more from him in the future, I hope, is something just like that. Well, we've only got one more quarter here on Sports by GSMC. When we come back, a preview of the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. The Colorado Avalanche against the back-to-back Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning. Quarter four, when we come back for more, right here on the GSMC Podcast Network. Want to know the latest in soccer? Then listen to the Golden State Media Concepts Soccer Podcast. From MLS, the World Cup, and the Premier League, we've got you covered. The latest updates, the hottest matches, and news on the league's top players. It's the Golden State Media Concepts Soccer Podcast. David Beckham scores the goal to take England all the way to the World Cup Finals. Listen now. Welcome back to Sports by GSMC. I'm your host, Jake Donnelly. Sports by GSMC is brought to you by the GSMC Podcast Network. It is quarter number four, segment number four, as we are nearing the 1 a.m. hour here on Tuesday, June 14th in our very third episode. We talked mostly about the Game 5 of the NBA Finals, where the Golden State Warriors took down the Boston Celtics 104-94, to but... Now, after talking a little bit of hardcore, a little bit of baseball, it is time to give you the preview for the NHL Finals. So this is a series where if you like to pick teams going by the best player in the series, then you are going to go with the Colorado Avalanche because they have Nathan McKinnon. If you are going to pick your team by who has the best defenseman, in this series, you are going to pick Cal McCarr, Kale McCarr, and the Colorado Avalanche because he is the best defender in this series. Yes, even better than Victor Hedman. 
However, where there is a massive advantage for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I actually think this is really the only place where the Tampa Bay Lightning have an advantage in this series, that is between the pipes because the Lightning, the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions, they have Andre Vasilevsky. And Vasilevsky is not a guy who really gets flustered at any point. Although he hasn't had the best of seasons this year in the regular season, had the 39 wins because, well, he plays on the Lightning, so that helps. But just a 916 save percentage, which was his lowest save percentage since his second year in the league, and a 249 goals against average. But Whereas Andre Vasilevsky hasn't had the best season thus far, his postseason, he is turning it on at the right time. Because this is a guy who can get hot. And when we say hot, we mean scalding. Scalding hot. Because... If you look at what he's done, when you look at what the Lightning have done since their loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs back on May the 10th, since that loss, Andre Vesilevsky has lost just twice. The last two wins against the um, against the Maple Leafs, of course, swept the Florida Panthers, lost the first two games against the Rangers, and then came back and won the next four to take down the Eastern Conference Finals, 4-2 to two against the Rangers. So, all of a sudden, Andre Vasilevsky, one of the best big-time netminders in NHL history, all of a sudden, he's won four in a row. All of a sudden, he has won 10 of his last 12 starts in these playoffs, and... He is only allowed, in the last four games, five goals. He is allowed just one goal in his last three games. So that is who the Tampa Bay Lightning have in net. On the other hand, things aren't looking so good for the Colorado Avalanche, as the Avalanche have had some issues trying to figure out just exactly who their goalie is, because they've had injuries, and is it going to be Pavel Francouz, because if so, we might be in a bit of an issue, those of us that are backing the Colorado Avalanche, because his goals against, while he has won last couple of times out, but five goals in that last game against Edmonton, this is going to be a series where we are going to see a ton, a ton of of scoring because the Al, uh, the Colorado Avalanche love to push the puck. They play with such pace. They've got a great forecheck and their back line is as good as it gets. Makar, if you haven't seen him, is like a modern day version of Bobby Orr. It, it is true. And I know to a lot of people that that is blasphemous, but also at the same time, yeah, it is true. This is how good these guys are. And you've got, like, Rotten, Miko Rotten, 92 points this season. 36 goals, 56 assists. Nathan McKinnon, probably the best player in the Stanley Cup Finals. 32 goals, 56 assists. The 
Avalanche had four different guys with 85 points and above. Nazem Kadri with 87 points, 28 goals. And Makar was one behind him with 86. Same thing, 28 goals, but just 58 assists. Now, that's going to be one of the biggest storylines of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It is going to be the question of health. Because if Nazem Kadri can play, man, what a boost. That is going to be to the Colorado Avalanche. But there's no indications that he is ready to go. I'm looking at NHL.com right now, and it said that Braden Point, the forward for the Lightning, he practiced. So his status for Game 1 is unknown. He's missed his last 10 games with a lower body injury. But if he can play, man, that just adds so much more depth to the Lightning. Braden Point might be the X factor in this series, but if we're talking about other X factors, we can talk about Alex Kalorn and Anthony Sorelli. It's been really a top-heavy lineup for the Lightning so far this uh, these playoffs, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov. Kucherov right now in terms of anybody on the Lightning, it's been Kucherov who has been by far the best player. Andre Palat, he's shown up so, so too has Steven Stamkos. But if Brandon Point can play, if he can bring that two-way game, then man, it is going to be tough for the Avalanche to respond. But for the Avalanche, for me... I think it comes down to who are the best players in the finals. And I think you have both with Nathan McKinnon as well as Kale McCarr, the best center in the series. I think you have the best defenseman in the series, but the best netminder that belongs to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And those are really the three things that you have to watch out for. But for me, as good as... Andre Vasilevsky can be in as much of a difference maker he might be. I think there's just not enough in the tank with the way that the Lightning have played so far this season. If you look at them, they kind of they're moving around a lot, and I just don't see it. The Tampa Bay Lightning have eked it out. Every single series thus far, except for obviously against the Panthers, who just didn't show up. (laughs) They really did not. But, man, every time I look at it, every time I look at the stats and the style of play and how guys and how teams have been playing lately, to me, this is just an avalanche series. I don't see how the Lightning, who have looked a little bit slow, in each of the series, and have needed a spark somewhere in order to get through. I just don't see them dealing with the speed of the Avalanche. We might have a couple of games where the Lightning end up winning 5-3 because the Avalanche decided to just not play defense, and we've seen that a couple of times. So far, these playoffs had to take a drink of water. Sorry about that. We've seen that from the Avalanche so far Uh, during the playoffs, but mm, to me, it's just, uh, it's a question of, can the Lightning skate with the Avalanche? And every time I look at it, I haven't seen anybody 
so far during the playoffs that can deal with the Avalanche. Like, I mentioned last time out how just dominant the offense has been for the Avalanche. And it doesn't seem like it matters who they're going up against. The I'm trying to figure out a way where I can say with confidence that the Tampa Bay Lightning can do something that we haven't seen since the late 80s and the New York Islanders, and that is win three straight Stanley Cups. But to me, it's just not there. I don't see the defense of the Tampa Bay Lightning slowing down the Colorado Avalanche. I don't. Avalanche have scored seven. One, two, three. They've scored seven. Three times so far this postseason. They have scored six goals. One, two, three, four, five times. They've scored six goals five times. They've scored five goals nine times. Like, man, this is good. If Victor Hedman can play the way that we know he can, and he really started to turn it up in those last couple of the games against the Rangers. If, Vic, if Victor Hedman doesn't step his game up, the Tampa Bay Lightning don't beat the Rangers. But they're going to need more from him. They're going to need more from their depth. That's why if Braden Point does, in fact, play, that is going to be, it might be the difference maker in this game. It really might. I just, ah, man, I'm so, I've been so impressed this season with the Avalanche, though. Even when guys go down, it doesn't matter how young they are. Devin Taves, Samuel Gerrard, obviously Gerrard's out now, but like Bowen Byram, he came in and he's played well. It's just fun to watch the Colorado Avalanche play. And I think maybe... My heart is glossing over some deficiencies on the back line for the Avalanche. And again, this might be the Tampa Bay Lightning adjusting their game and making it harder for the Avalanche to score by pressuring the Avalanche in their own defensive end. But I just don't see a series where the Lightning can match the speed of the avalanche and every time I look at it that's the thing that I keep coming back to the avalanche are too fast and too skilled for Tampa Bay Lightning it's not just it's not a knock on the lightning I just when watching it looks like the avalanche are better than everybody else and it looks like they're a full What? They're they're a full level above everybody else. And that's the thing that every time I watch it, it's it's not just intangibles. It's how they pass. It's how quickly they can get the puck from one zone to the next. It seems like they spend almost no time whatsoever in the neutral zone. And it they put opposing defenses on their heels. And if you don't back check against this avalanche squad, then you don't have any shot whatsoever because they're just going to run right through you. They have no mercy when they do any of this. And 
for them, it's just, it, they've made it look easy because it has been relatively easy. Again, I was doing the second podcast here with the Colorado Avalanche down, it was 4-3, right? The Avalanche were down 4-3 in the third period, and I assumed that the game was going to end 6-5 because that's how good the Avalanche are. That's how explosive their offense is, and it seems like, much like the Golden State Warriors, all it takes is one play for the Avalanche, and they have the best momentum offense that I've seen in quite some time. It's like watching, actually, talking about and referencing the New York Islanders of the late 80s with Messier and Paul Coffey and Wayne Gretzky. It just seems like that is what we're seeing out of the Colorado Avalanche, that they are the type of offensive explosive team that the second you give them any leeway, any opening whatsoever, Nathan McKinnon is going to burst through that door 30 miles an hour and then rip one over the glove top shelf. Like that's who these Avalanche are. They're the best team in the NHL. They're one of the fastest teams in the NHL. And it's just what we see out of them every single game. It's what we see, and it's so much fun to watch them because of that. And I just don't know how, in a series that features Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov and Andre Pollat, but also Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon and hopefully Nazem Kadre, as well as guys like Andre Burakovsky and Gabriel Landeskog, Devin Taves has been so much fun to watch this year. With all of that being said, to me, it's an avalanche series. It's not what the Tampa Bay Lightning can do to the Colorado Avalanche. It's what the Colorado Avalanche are going to do to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I just think they're too skilled. I think they're too fast. And while I would have picked them regardless from what I've seen out of Tampa Bay, it just looks like this is going to be a matchup nightmare. But then again, I'm the guy that said the Boston Celtics weren't going to have much of an issue with the Golden State Warriors. And now if the Celtics are going to win the NBA Finals, it's going to take them seven games. I also thought that the Celtics were going to try to dominate the Golden State Warriors inside and search out, seek and destroy defensive mismatches, and that's how the Celtics got back into the game, by going after Jordan Poole and Steph Curry, but while I'm the guy that said this is going to be a relatively easy series for the Boston Celtics, I'm also the same guy that's saying I don't see how the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to take on the Colorado Avalanche and slow down this explosive Avalanche offense, so take that for what it's worth. For now, though, that will do it for me in episode number three of Sports by GSMC, brought to you by the GSMC Podcast Network. I'm Jake Donnelly. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to tune back in for channel Make That. Episode number four, that will be posted no later than noon Pacific on Friday. For now, though, this is Jake Donnelly with Sports by GSMC saying bye for now. You've been listening to Sports by GSMC, part of the Golden State Media Concepts Podcast Network. You can find this show and others like it at www.gsmcpodcast.com. Download our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you find podcasts. 
Just type GSMC into the search bar and find all of our shows from the Golden State Media Concepts Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode.